Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness, a daily podcast devoted to spirituality and self-help. If you're new, I want to welcome you. If you're returning, welcome back. So today we have a very special guest with us, and I'm very excited to have Mr. Michael Lees with us here. He is a filmmaker and a director, and he has just released his new film called Uncivilized. And I have to tell you, I have gotten to see a sneak peek of a sneak peek of this movie and it is just phenomenal so far what I've seen so I'm so excited to talk to him today so welcome Michael. Hey Melissa thanks for having me. So um, how about if you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself you know where you're from and and how you decided to make a movie because I find that so interesting I know I wrote a book and for me that was a very difficult thing to do. It was not easy to undertake. And I know filmmaking has to be so much more difficult than that. So uh, I'm very interested to see how you decided to create this movie. Cool. Well, that's a big question. So keep me on track if I go too wide. Um, I was born in England. My mother is originally from Barbados. My dad's English. And then we moved to Dominica, not, which is not to be mistaken with Dominican Republic, little Eastern Caribbean island when I was five. And then I ended up going to school in the States. And then I returned in 2016 when I was pretty much sure I wanted to come home. And I also wanted to come and make this project. Um, in terms of what drove me to make the film specifically, I think there were a few things. One was, you know, right now we're only talking about COVID. But the other sort of like existential threat that we've been dealing with is climate change. And I think what I experience is what I see a lot of the young climate activists like um, Greta Thunberg experiencing, which is almost like a sort of existential like dread and depression from this idea that the world may be coming to an end or, or getting ruined in a way that we won't be able to come back from. Um, and nothing is really being done about it. So I had this idea that just maybe if we could kind of go back in time, if we could have been satisfied with the lot that we were given, maybe we could have avoided all of these pitfalls because the way I kind of see it, it's our constant desire for more and more and more that eventually is kind of gonna have us implode on ourselves. So I think it was, that was a, a big part of it. I think another part was personally sort of feeling trapped and unfulfilled by America and New York, work, all the things that, this is all the things that a lot of people are aspiring to and just feeling very cut off from everything. And just being like, you know what? Again, maybe the answers really were in this quote unquote Eden that may have existed before. Very interesting. Um, I think a lot of people are especially now starting to see um, not only the damage we've done to the planet, but also how material things are not the things that really fulfill you. I think that that is becoming very evident to a lot of people these days. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> So and now I know that your film is going to premiere at the San Francisco Indie um, 
Indie Doc Film Festival. Uh, so you could tell us maybe a little bit about your film itself, you know, and, and more about what the film really is about to you and then where people might be able to also check this film out if they'd like to watch it for themselves. Yeah, definitely. So I'll just start with where it's streaming. It's on Studio Anansi, A-N-A-N-S-I dot TV and then slash uncivilized, but Studio Nancy TV is where it's streaming. On the surface, the film essentially became a story of survival because I was out, I decided to go out to live in the forest to sort of try and test these theories that I had and see if it was something that was palatable to me. And then halfway through category five, Hurricane Maria um, hit the island and it was a direct hit it stayed over Dominica for, you know, the entire night. And I was out in the forest in a palm leaf and bamboo hut and somehow basically survived miraculously without a scratch. Um, and then, you know, from there, we, the, the film kind of morphs, not just, it's still kind of is a first person doc. So focused on my journey and the people I come into contact with but then it morphs into a story of survival for the island. Now we didn't have electricity or running water or internet for at least like six months. But the really interesting thing, Dominica is known as the natural of the Caribbean. So we're in many ways, um, quote unquote, undeveloped um, compared to a lot of places, but because we still have access to clean water and fresh, fresh springs, rivers to go and bathe in. Um, it's an agricultural society, so there was no shortage of food, small communities. Because of all these things, which are, in a way, have been lost in a lot of, again, quote-unquote, developed places, we were actually able to get by quite gracefully. And I think it was also an opportunity as we were, everyone was basically cut off the same way I was when I was in the forest, it slowed things down. And I think in slowing things down, that gave everyone a chance to really, yeah, meditate on what was important in life, especially when so much material stuff was taken from us, but, and then you're just thankful to have the clothes on your back. Yeah, I think that is such a, a profound thing when people finally are able to be shown these are the things that really matter and these are the things that are important. I know before all of this, before the pandemic and everything happened, I could recall going to restaurants and just looking around and seeing people on their phones and not even conversing with the people sitting at the table with them. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like what have we become as a society where mm -hmm. you go to spend time with your family and you're not really like you're there, but you're not really there because you're not present with your family members and really enjoying their company and making connections. And even in young people, I see that, you know, instead of being present in the classroom and wanting to really be there and experience the lessons, it, it's more like, okay, I'm looking at my phone and what, what's the next thing? And it's like instant gratification instead of, cultivating relationships with people and experiences like going outside. I mean, I remember as a kid, we were told to go outside and don't come back until the streetlights came on <laughs> because that was our, our babysitter, right? It was go enjoy, go do things that kids should do like climbing trees and, and whatever. So I think that 
there's a whole generation of kids who really haven't experienced that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, that what I'm sure you've touched on this many times before, but the importance of presence, because if, again, essentially both past and future are constructs. And a lot of times if you're, if you're worrying about the, the future, you become anxious and about the past, you become depressed. And all that really exists is the present. And even if you were to, to talk about having any sort of um, spiritual awakening or encounter with God, where would it happen if not the present? And so for me, especially being out in the forest alone and just kind of, again, witnessing everything going on around, there's so many things going on. Life is, you know, it's a complex matrix. And all of a sudden you find yourself plugged into it and not sort of a stranger in this place. Um, yeah, it's definitely revealing. Is there anything that maybe you perhaps learned while you were out experiencing life that maybe you could give advice to others for how to really be more in the present or how to experience the life around them while it's happening and not allowing themselves to try to think of the future and the past and all of the things you were just talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's probably, I guess there's a couple of different ways. I mean, obviously, I think the, the practice of meditation or daily meditation, even if it's short, is um, a great practice um, to kind of get in that mindset. And then, of course, trying to carry that into your daily life. Again, that ties into the kind of idea of trying to shut off the, the, the voice in your head, the constant chatter, and sort of learn how, yeah, how to turn that off and try and just experience things for what they are. Again, it's easier said than done. And I think sometimes it is necessary, maybe not to go and do three months in the forest, but even to take a backpacking trip and leave your phone or something like that. Because all of these things, like you said, instant gratification, they are made to be addictive. And it takes a lot of discipline to get, to put them down in the first place so that you have space to experience everything else going on. My 18-year-old son, his phone broke a few months ago and we decided <laughs> to have it fixed. And it took them two months to fix it. And he said, Mom, I was without a phone for two months. You know how hard that is? <laughs> so I think for him, that was just a really interesting lesson because he's had a phone since he was 10 years old. You know, when he mm -hmm. was in the fifth grade, I think they got their first phones. And I can't imagine, and I've talked to people about this, I can't imagine growing up in a society where that was always around, where you always had social media and you always had the phones. And, and, and really it's, I feel sorry for them because I think there's so many things when, that I, as a, a teenager or a young child experienced that they never really got to because all of the concern was over who's posting what on you know, <laughs> yeah. Instagram or on Facebook. And I never had to worry about that. And I'm glad because I'm sure that I probably would be really embarrassed by things that would have been posted by a 10 year old. <laughs> yeah, so. definitely. And now, I, go yeah, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was going to say um, two things. One, even when we were in college, um, me and a couple of friends, we, would, we started doing these different challenges. And one was to 
not whip out your phone when you're in a public place just because you're either bored or you feel awkward by not doing anything. You know, a lot of times people whip out the phone because they don't know where to divert their attention. So they say, you know what, let me just, this is a safe space to do it. And I think doing little things like that are also a great practice. And all of a sudden, you, you, then you do look around and you see everyone else plugged in so hardcore. But it also then opens up space for you to have sort of spontaneous interactions with people, whereas before your head was down, sort of out, keeping yourself out of the world that you're really in. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think that happens a lot. I think people are so, like you said, if they're on the subway or if they're on a plane or on a bus, whatever, it's constantly this, looking at their phones and not, that's how you used to meet people and interact with yep. people was because yeah. you were both stuck in this awkward situation together. <laughs> so you make the time pass by talking. And um, so I think it's interesting that that doesn't happen as much and I I don't know about you but as a teacher I see this all the time I think that anxiety in children is so high right now and yeah. I think that that is a big part of it because uh, social anxiety they've never really had to learn how to make conversations in those you know situations and they've also they're also constantly comparing themselves to other people. You know, I see this on Facebook and these people have a better life than I do. And of course we know we only put our best. Yeah. Our best forward life. On, yeah. <laughs> like this is my best life in a lot of times it's not even the truth, but a lot yeah. of people post those things. And so I think that they feel the need to compare themselves with others. And that's a big problem that causes anxiety yeah. too. Definitely. So that's my question to you too. So did you feel like when you were on this journey and you went for the three months, do you feel like your anxiety levels were lowered or, or was it a different kind of anxiety because you were having to adjust to a life you were not used to? Yeah, great question. Um, one, so one thing, I guess one aspect that's really funny about that is then I started, I realized I was anxious while I was in the forest at times, because this was the first time I was sort of making a film, like a, a feature length film. And I had to balance between doing all the things I needed for like daily survival, and then worrying that I'm getting adequate, you know, coverage and shots, and if I'm doing it right, and how I'm gonna put it together. And then I remember just thinking, wow, if you can create that level of anxiety for yourself while you're alone in the forest, then clearly you can see that it's not just a product of the world around you, but it's your own head, you know what I mean? And I think even just witnessing that and acknowledging that then opened me up to, to sort of approach things differently. I think that's a really good point too, because I think many of us, I say we create our own hells with ourselves, with our own thoughts and with our mindsets, and we do that I mean, I'm very guilty of doing that sometimes myself. Like even today I had to run to Walmart to get something and I was like, oh, I, I hate having to go to the store <laughs> because it's not just as simple. You can't just run in anymore and just go pick something up. It's like, oh, I got I have to get my mask. I have to, you know, we have social distance and I have to do all of these things. And our attitude could be, and it's a tendency to want to say, oh, I have to do this and this is terrible. but we're creating our own misery when we do that instead of just saying okay well this is just a thing it's you know i'll go in get this 
But I feel like a lot of people, because of what's going on around us, I just see so much more negativity from people, just from watching what people post on social media and, you know, listening to other teachers talk, we're having to do virtual learning and listening to their conversations about this is so awful. And I think, you know, we're just being shown, I think we have to make the best of a situation that isn't necessarily ideal, but um, our attitude about it and our mindset about it absolutely affects our reality. I, would you agree with that? Yeah, and I mean, it was interesting after Maria, you know, there are people whose entire, their entire life, essentially, not their, their physical life, but all their possessions and everything was gone, their house was blown flat. And so many times I met people, Dominique is a very Christian country, and it was so interesting meeting so many people in that stage, still saying sort of, give praise to God and, and, you know, all of this happened, but thank God I'm alive. And it's just such a different way of seeing things. And it was, I think it was quite enlightening for me to, to be going around the island and talking to people and to hear that so much. Again, it's, it's just reframing um, your reality. Again, whether it's, you know, cup half full, half empty, it's just how you want to see things. talk about this a lot on the on my show but it's so important if you want you know people say they're searching for happiness or and I had a discussion with a friend of mine the other day and he said well which do you prefer do you prefer that I'm searching for happiness or I'm cultivating happiness and I said well obviously cultivating because searching looks like you haven't found it and it's something that's always out of reach for you whereas cultivating it it's, you have it, you're just trying to do things to make it grow and blossom and, and it's there. And I think that that's a, a problem that a lot of us, and I think is a very normal human thing, is that we, mm -hmm. we're always searching for that next thing that's going to make us happy when in reality, we have to be happy. We have to choose to be happy. It's a choice that we have and that we make. And if, you know, we're not feeling happiness, we need to think about what we're doing in our lives that maybe is causing the unhappiness or, or what we're not seeing. I think it's really a matter of not seeing all of the blessings that mm -hmm. we already have. Mm -hmm. Now, so this kind of links back into the film because this is sort of a, so this is a question we ask ourselves personally, but then it was a question I wanted to start asking sort of for humanity at large, thinking about maybe where we were in the past and thinking about where we think we're going in the future and i know a lot of people to me the the sort of dominant narrative is that things are well, maybe people are questioning it right now but in general that things are always getting better that at some point you know as humans we're just gonna we're gonna become more and more essentially like gods and we're gonna leave um, earth and colonize the rest of the universe and all of that i started kind of questioning that when you start looking at every other species that has existed on this earth and recognize that like 99% of them went extinct, maybe we are not the ones that are going to be the torchbearers carrying life throughout the, the universe. Maybe we're going to go extinct and something else is. Um, and so then I started thinking, you know what, maybe the answers are in the past. 
and we need to go backwards and we need to go towards nature and, and all of these things. And I think kind of going through all of this is this sort of almost a circular type answer where the answer is ne neither quite in the past or in the future. In, in many ways, when I see it, these, these different paths all sort of lead in the same direction. Um, it's like as if you were going on two different directions in a circle, you're gonna end up in the same, back to the same place. And for me, the, the circle also is just such a great, um, I guess, symbol because for me a circle it's whole and when i think of, of wholeness i think of presence as well but yeah again these are just to me these are the questions that i think we need to be asking as a species like where where are we going and not just where are we going where can we find where can we be satisfied at what point will life be at a place where we're like you know what that's it this is where we need to be i think So many of us are searching always for answers mm -hmm. and, and you know what what is going to happen to us in 10 years 20 years i mean who would have if you ask what's 2020 going to be like <laughs> i think uh that what the joke on facebook is everyone who answered the question where do you see yourself in five years in 2015 got that answer wrong because none of, none of us like would have ever imagined that this would happen, but I truly do feel like it's all happening to teach us the lesson and, and you know, to yep. really change us as a society. And I think that it is, uh, you know, I choose not to be a doom and gloom person that, oh, I, mean, I have friends who equally will say like, well, this is the end, this is it, this is the end of humanity. And, you know, this is everything being predicted that it's all over. I'm like, I don't see that. I don't see it as that way. I think it's just another, another place in history where we're shifting you know we're mm -hmm. just we just are experiencing a huge shift and it's uncomfortable when you experience a shift yep. you know it's, it's yep. yeah when you work on yourself and you change yourself that's uncomfortable but it's supposed yep. to be so exactly. yeah <laughs> so is there anything else um any other words of wisdom or anything that you have for our, our audience today or anything you would like to tell us about your film or the process? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, well, one interesting thing while I was out in the forest, I was actually reading the Bible for the first time, Buddhist um, scripture and the Bhagavad Gita. And what seemed like on the surface quite different philosophies, you know, in one there's one God, in one there's no God, in another there's many gods. When you really start uh, kind of reading it a little deeper, it's really interesting seeing, to me, they're all different ways of writing about and accessing the very same thing. And of course, you know, the, the approaches and language is gonna be different for different times and different places and different cultures. But if anything, it kind of confirmed to me that there is sort of this uh, almost, I guess, absolute truth that can be tapped into and is worth taking the time um, trying to tap into. Um, the other thing I would mention, I think just like you, I got into this um, path in a, an interesting way. I think 
I actually was in business school um, in Chapel Hill before I switched to film. And I actually switched uh, in the middle of class. My business professor brought in a speaker who kind of just gave me a flash forward of what my life was going to be like if I was 40 continuing on the same track. And I just realized then that not anything against business, but that that track wasn't for me. And they asked me, what was I going to do to put my life on track? And I raised my hand in the middle of class and I said, I'm quitting business school. And in a way, that was sort of the start of, of all of this. And I think it's just important. I think in many, many cases, we each of us sort of have callings, whether it's vocational or even in terms of social responsibility, that it's just important for us to listen to. And I think once you start, instead of sort of fighting against life and maybe even your fate and your destiny and you start working with it in many ways it's like the universe seems to just keep opening doors for you yeah i would agree with you totally i think um we were talking a little bit before this interview and i told you about how i started my podcast and it was one of those points i think same thing where you're in the business class and then saying okay this is not for me um in my life, I was like, okay, what I'm going through is not for me. There's something more out there. And I think that's what I was responding to was this internal questioning of this cannot be all there is to life. There has to be more to life than just this. And that's what led me to my path. And I think there's so many people out there listening. In fact, I know they are because they come to work with me um, for coaching who really are afraid to take that leap. They're, they're you in that business course, but they don't raise their hand and they don't get up and they don't walk out and they don't say enough, this isn't the path that I want. Then there are a lot of people who I think because of fear of change, which it's a normal, natural thing to be afraid of change, they just sit where they are, ignoring the calling that they're getting, you know, the calling of their heart. To me, I always think it's the universe divine leading you to the path you know for your mission or what you're supposed to be here doing and your purpose in life if you want to call it that and i yep. think that there are a lot of people who just never fully realize their purpose because they're they listen to the ego i think more than their higher self so do you have any advice for people who may be feeling like oh yeah i know this is not where i want to be but i'm not doing anything about it yeah well I think um, there's a couple of books that really helped me. Obviously, um, I read Eckhart Tolle's uh, A New Awakening, but uh, a power, The Power of Now is also a great one. And um, Buddhist scripture, um, there's a great book. Um, I can't remember it now, but it's uh, What the Buddha Said by Thich Nhat Hanh. And what I love about Buddhism really is you can really, any of the sort of, stuff that you would consider religious that you don't want to deal with you cannot a lot of it is sort of just philosophy about recognizing um, that ego recognizing Im the impermanence of everything and sort of accepting that and moving with that uh, personally it was maybe when i was about 17 or so that i started it like it hit me you're gonna die and that was the most terrifying thing. It like finally just hit me, you're gonna die. And it actually made it really hard to just even move through life because it was like, well, this, all of this is pointless. Um, but 
it was I had to go through that to then get the other side of the coin, which is that in many ways, yes, all of this is pointless. Essentially, it's an open game with very sort of flexible rules. You're going to be dead in, in 80, 90 years. So this is your only time, really. So make it count. Um, and I, I really do think that the contemplation of death, which is something that is very uncomfortable for a lot of people, I think it's actually really important to then live a full life. I think that's what I'd say on that. with you that it, and it makes it more interesting don't you think when you actually do the things you're afraid to do to me whenever I've had things in my life where I thought oh, I'm too scared to do that then I thought okay you have to do it now because you just told yourself that this is something that scares you yeah, yeah, so it's, exactly. it's like facing the ego head-on and going okay well you're not going to scare me anymore so. yeah exactly and I would say for me, definitely going and spending three months living, you know, in the forest and giving up a lot of things that you were used to, that is definitely something I think would scare a lot of people. Um, so I, I commend you for, for doing that and for making a film about it, because I love how when people document their own lives, it's so helpful to others, too, because we can learn so much from other people's experiences and it, it just looked beautiful where you were, first of all. It was a really, really beautiful area. And um, I love the conversations that you had with the people you were interviewing. And I'm going to have to go and finish watching it because I didn't get to watch the whole thing. But uh, what I started watching, I, I really, really loved. So I'm going to have to go and finish that later today. But um, thank you so much for sharing your experience because, like I said, I already learned a lot just from having this conversation with you and from watching the part of your film that I watched. So I know that this film is going to be so beneficial to so many people out there. Um, I just, I wish so many more people would jump on that instinct of facing their fears and doing the things that, you know, they feel called to do, just like you did when you felt called to make this film. So do you have any plans to make more movies uh, anytime in the future? Absolutely. Um, right now, actually, I'm working on my first um, fiction script, which I'm hoping to have a first draft done this year. This was the, the deadline I set for myself. Again, this was a next thing that seemed like, I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, well, I just proved to myself I could do the documentary. Let's push it. Even if I fail, hey, at least I gave it a shot. Um, so yeah um, and also I'll just mention again the film Uncivilized it's streaming at studioanancy.tv it's across social media at Uncivilized Film with a, a Z or a Z um, and we'll be screening at the San Francisco Indie Doc Fest at the Grenada Film Festival and at the um, Greater Cleveland Urban Film Festival as well yeah. Awesome. And if there's a link for them to click on to get to the movie, I'm going to include that in the notes to this podcast so that if any of my listeners want to go and, and find your film, we'll make it easy for them to do that. So Brilliant. <laughs> well, well, I would love a... to have you back sometime, you know, if your next movie comes out and you want to come back, or even if you just want to come back and talk about life and, you know, 
all of the things that you've learned along the way. I'd love to have you back sometimes. So. Yeah, anytime. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful talking to you, and I thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. All right, guys, and I want to thank you also for being here with us and for joining me on this podcast. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a review from wherever you're listening. That helps others to find me, which helps me in my mission. So thank you for that. Also, if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, melissaoatman.com. There you'll find the list of services I offer. You can book a service directly from the offerings page. I do all of my sessions online through Zoom. And follow me on social media. I go live Mondays at 6.30 Central on Facebook where I do a free card reading. If you show up for the live, I'll pull a card for you too. I hope that you guys have an amazing day from wherever you're listening. I am sending you so much love and light, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.